0: This episode continues my week long coverage of season one, episode two of Twin Peaks, uh, sometimes confusingly known as just episode one since the pilot of the scene is seen as episode zero. But uh, hopefully, you figured out which one you're listening to. We're going to talk in this episode about the central mystery, the central investigation of the show who killed Laura Palmer, the clues that we get, and what pictures it's adding up to, and then also talk about the structure of this episode how it is developing Twin Peaks as a narrative, as a week-to-week narrative, uh, as a TV show, not just a TV movie, as the first episode could kind of be taken as. And now for the main question of Twin Peaks, who killed Laura Palmer? Here are our new clues about the murder and the surrounding incidents that we get in this episode. Uh, From Audrey, and this is known to the investigators, we find out that Laura tutored Johnny. From Doc Hayward, also known to the investigators, we get the time of death between midnight and 4 a.m. The cause of death is loss of blood, numerous shallow wounds, and we learn other aspects, including that there were bite marks on her shoulders. She was tied up by wrists, ankles, and upper arms. She had sex with three men in 12 hours. And Doc Hayward confirms that the same perpetrator attacked both her and Renette in the train car. He says of Renette, she had a severe head injury. It's still early to tell. Add to that the psychological impact, the fear, probably witnessing what was happening to Laura. So she can't help out the investigation at this point. She's still not responsive. Uh, from Leo's shirt, which is discovered and known to Shelly, not to any investigators yet. So this is an example of where we are getting more than the detective is. We find out there's blood on a blue shirt that's in Shelly's wash and uh, could be from the night Laura died. Leo is very concerned about this missing shirt. From James, uh, this is known to investigators, we find out Laura snuck out at 9.30, jumped off the bike at 12.30 a.m. So uh, he, you know, definitely, uh, he was with her right up close to the time before her death. From the log, uh, sorry, I guess, from the log via the log lady, this is also known to investigators, we find out that her log uh, will have something to say about what happened the night Laura died. Uh, But that's all we get to know this time. And then there are some new clues, not directly related just to her murder or the incidents immediately surrounding it, but her life leading up to her death that may end up being factors in her murder. From James, uh, known to the investigators, we find out James, Don, and Laura were the only ones at that picnic almost two weeks ago. We find out Laura wanted the relationship to be secret with James, uh, probably because she was afraid of Bobby, and that she stopped using cocaine because of him, but then she started again at least a few days earlier and something probably scared her because she wouldn't see or talk to James. And uh, she said she couldn't, when she did see him that night, she said she couldn't see him again. She wouldn't say why. From Laura's diary known to the investigators, we find out that February 5th was day one for some reason. And from James's memory, known only to us because he he withholds this from the investigators, we find out that on that day, February 5th, Laura gave him the half of the half-heart necklace, said that uh, she... She knew he truly loved her, and that's why she could give it. And we see this through his flashback, through his memory. From Bobby, uh, learned by Mike, not known to any investigators yet, we find out that Laura's $10,000 was owed to Leo as part of a drug deal involving Bobby. So that's why she had $10,000 in her possession. From Josie, known to the investigators, we find out Laura was hired to come twice a week and teach her English. She saw Laura Thursday afternoon at five and stayed for an hour and something was bothering her and she said, I think I now understand about your husband's death. That's what Laura said to Josie. From the Pulaski parents, known to the investigators, we find out that they did not see her after Renette after school that day. We find out Renette worked at a horns department store downtown. Uh they say it sounds like Hoyts when they say it, but it is Horns, like as in the Ben and Audrey Horn. She was a sales girl at the perfume counter, and uh she probably went there the day that she was then taken that night. From Harry's town knowledge, uh, just general information he has at his fingertips that he shares with Cooper, so this is known to the investigators. Shelley has a J in her name. Her last name's Johnson, so Cooper kind of adds that to his notes because he's trying to find out who the J was that Laura referred to in her diary. And Leo, her husband, also a J, has a minor rap sheet, so he's somebody they might want to look into. From Norma, known to the investigators, we find out Laura delivered and helped organize a Meals on Wheels dinner to elderly shut-ins, and the names on the route will be forthcoming. From Jacoby's tape, the tape he pops into the stereo, known to us, certainly not known to any investigators at this point, we find out Laura mailed Jacoby tapes and envelopes that he gave her. And she recorded one the day she died. She said she was in a weird mood. James was sweet but dumb. She should have met Jacoby a long time ago because she can only use so much sweet now. And wonder, what does that mean? Does she mean something romantically with him, or does she just mean she could have used his services so that she could use more sweet right now? Sort of ambiguous. And she says she's going to get lost in the woods again tonight. This recording is dated from the day that she died. And she has something to say about a mystery man, but he puts his headphones on at that point, and then even we are excluded from the revelations of whatever that mystery man is. Uh, also from jacobi known to us he has the half-heart necklace in his possession so he was it was his hand that dug into the dirt presumably in the previous episode and pulled it up at the end of the episode he's hidden it in a coconut in his office slash i think apartment as well some information that's known to us already but is introduced to new characters uh, cooper and harry find out about james's visit with Laura, and that she jumped off for his bike at Sparkwood and 21. James recognizes the necklace, so they find out he knows about it. And Donna's mother learns that Laura and James were dating, and uh, Mike finds out that Laura had the $10,000 in the safety deposit box. He's obviously a little miffed. He was left out of that uh, that exchange. He's being excluded somehow. So let's consolidate that. The separate parts of this mystery, uh, there's different components to it, as we established in the pilot. And how are things looking with all of that now? So with Bobby, he's not being held as a suspect anymore. He's specifically been warned against going after James, but goes against him. And uh, he's also a drug dealer, and Laura may have been scared of him. So he seems like a resentful, revengeful boyfriend, which doesn't look good on his count. With Renette, we know more about her, but not yet how she relates to Laura. Uh, We do know the same person attacked both of them. So more or less confirmation of what was established in the pilot, nothing too new. The crime scene, we basically realized that Laura experienced a kind of a grisly torture. Her death may not actually have been why the killer brought her to the train car. Something else was going on there, whether it was ritualistic or what. And the log lady says her log saw something that night, so we know we'll hear more about that. The criminal world aspect of the the mystery, we are now realizing Laura and Bobby were dealing drugs for Leo, but there's nothing new about sex work. Uh, The serial killer aspect of the mystery, nothing new. At all, it's not even mentioned. The other crime we do—we just know from the pilot that the killer apparently had another victim across the state a year earlier with a similar MO. For the James part of the mystery, uh, we see that he was trying to be a good influence on Lara's life, but she was getting sick of him and maybe also afraid of someone else. Did he get heartbroken and kill her? Uh, it seems like, at the moment, they're not leaning so hard on the idea that he was the killer. But is that a red herring? Then there's some new aspects of the mystery that are sort of consolidating here with Leo. the fact that he has uh, suspiciously bloodied clothing from the t- around the time she died, that she and Bobby owed him money. Did he try to press her for the money? For a new uh, asp- a new sub mystery subplot, we have the charity. The FBI is really being made aware of Lara's assistance to Johnny Horn, Josie Packard, and Twin Peak's elderly and disabled communities, which is implying that somehow that's relevant to their concerns. Did she meet someone on those routes? Did something with Johnny or Josie spring out into something else? Did she tell them something that might help them out? New aspect uh, as well as the mystery man. Uh, as I said, Laura's is expressing her concerns to Jacoby about this the day she died. There's really not much more now, but that's just sort of a compelling little seed opening up. And finally, Jacoby himself is a, really a new aspect of the mystery now because we're seeing that he was clearly more attached to Laura than he let on. Uh, the doctor has stolen something of hers that her friend hid in the woods. So I think he's now emerging not just as this tangential figure, he's a little shady, but as somebody actually involved in the mystery itself. So let's gather clues look at the big picture. We know Laura was involved in the drug trade. She was definitely attacked by the same person as Annette. Killer tortured her. She was pushing James away out of fear or exasperation just a few weeks after the height of their romance. Leo may have his blood on her shirt, her charitable work brought her into contact with a lot of different citizens, and she was sending messages to Jacoby about a mystery man. In short, Laura Palmer was a publicly generous and privately troubled young woman, embedded in crime networks, who may have had a violent encounter with Leo the day she died. And she's the victim of a possibly occultist serial killer, who may be her mystery man, and who may have wanted something besides death from her. So that boils down what we have of the question of who killed Laura Palmer this this episode with the initial setup and place setting finished, the plot is now settling into an investigative routine with the detective making uh, its way through his way through a roundelay of suspects. Everything is a lot more obviously functional than even in the well-oiled pilot. The moments of eccentricity are deftly woven into the procedural fabric with, hints that they could matter for the mystery as well. The first half of the episode is dominated by the sheriff's station and the characters of Cooper, Harry, Bobby, Mike, James, and Leo. Only Leo among them is not police or in police custody. The second half opens things up. It goes to more places, visits more people, and each has its own flavor and dramatic elements while still related to the other material. Individual flames are starting to be kindled. This episode also establishes a pattern alongside the pilot. It opens in the morning and moves through a single day, ending at night. The focus of the episode, if it can be narrowed to just one, is kicking off the interpersonal stage of the investigation. In the pilot, Cooper stuck mostly to physical evidence, and then he got sidetracked into the whole Donna James affair. Now he's getting to know various members of the community and to really enjoy the environment as he settles in. The central story is the Laura Palmer mystery, of course, but other subplots that are emerging uh, rather independently of that so far are the sawmill plot with Catherine and Ben, and whatever Nadine plans to do with those cotton balls and drape runners, and also Ed's hints about a bartender named Jacques, so mostly just little seeds for now. Otherwise, most of the other stories still seem to spring directly from the life or death of Laura Palmer. Looking at where the commercial breaks are placed, you can also see how this episode is structured, uh, besides the one after the opening credits and before the closing credits, The first one is 14 minutes in. It's between Leo discovering that the shirt is missing and Bobby and Mike in jail. And then 23 minutes in between Harry's line about Dr. Watson and Pete cleaning the fish. And 34 minutes in between Hawk leaving the blue room and Audrey dancing. So these beats each have their own flavor. One is at a moment of dangerous anxiety. One is at a moment of comedic punchline. And one is at a moment of spooky mystery. The first part of the episode is a morning part. It's procedural, anchored by the resolution of James. The second part, the middays, also procedural. It's anchored by tying up all the lingering police business so they can move on. It basically ends all the stuff and pilot. like, yeah, yeah, let's get Mike and Bobby out of here. Let's get James out of here. Let's move on, you know. Get get rid of this cliffhanger. Third part in the afternoon, that's more social and uncanny. It introduces romantic relationships and some new spooky threads. And the fourth part of the episode after the last commercial break in the evening is domestic. It focuses on families, home lives, personal stories. The top storyline in episode one is Laura's relationship to James. This continues from the pilot, so now two episodes in a row. Even with her specific murder and the crime scene and the evidence... Ah, uh, being dealt with, and uh, other things going on. You know, this introduction of the sawmill plot and all of that. It it's still the key element driving the narrative is still this relationship that she had, and it's notable that it's the secret relationship, not the public one, which is getting the most scenes in this episode. So that is at the core of what Twin Peaks is at this particular moment. That's it for today. Shorter section than usual. I have a shorter episode coverage overall this week. So each episode is going to be a little shorter than last week's were. Uh, tomorrow we're going to continue with uh, scenes from the episode organized by Laura's storyline. So just the scenes and the stories that involve uh, her her life before she died often. Sometimes the the murder itself. But we kind of covered those clues here. We're going to be talking more about those human interactions and the way people are kind of developing in the shadow of her memory, I suppose, if that makes sense. So a lot to talk about there. And of course, if you want to support this podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash lost in the movies. And also make sure to check out the illustrated companion to this week of episodes on my site, lostinthemovies.com. That's linked below in the show notes. And I'll see you tomorrow.